0: In Matthew 5 verse 3, he says, blessed or happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. Now, I always wondered what the poor in spirit were. They are humble who rate themselves insignificant. Do you know someone who thinks that they're not worth anything? God says they're worth it all. And he wanted his disciples to understand that they're worth it all. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and enviable, enviably happy, with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's hard to be happy when you mourn. It is human to mourn. It is right to grieve but you just don't want the spirit of grief to take over you. Um, when my mom passed away, it was difficult. I'd, I'd had her with me 33 years in my home. And so it was like one of my, <coughs> one of my uh, arms or legs had been taken. And I knew it was coming, you know, uh, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. So I knew with the age, and let me tell you something. Who knew, Granny? Okay, then you, you'll, you'll know this. My mother always predicted things. I won't say she prophesied it, but she would predict things. And she predicted that she was going to go to heaven at 85. And so uh, when 85 came and went and 86 came along, she was not a happy camper. She was mad. She said, God told me I, will go, I would go to heaven at 85. And I said, well, Mom, he's just giving you a little more time. I don't need any time. She was mad because her prediction didn't come to pass. And so when uh, 87 came along, she got to where She wouldn't even talk to me. She just, mm mm-mm. And uh, so when, when the good Lord decided to come get her, she was happy to go. And, but it was was difficult on me. It was difficult on Pastor because Pastor, we had to end up putting her the last three years of her life into a nursing facility because we could not take care of her. She needed 24-7 care and we couldn't do it. But we had her at a place where we could go every day. And believe you me, we were there every day. Uh, David back there in the back, he visited with her several times a week. Uh, especially on Sundays. I'd go in to see her, and David had beat me there, and he was sitting watching cowboys with her. And so, I mean, you know, she was still very much in our lives. And Pastor would say, I wish there had been some way. Now, this is the devil talking, okay? I wish there had been some way that we could have kept her at home. And um, I should have kept her at home. And I finally told him one day, I said, Honey, we could not keep her at home. We did the best for her that we possibly could do because my mama would not follow any rules whatsoever. You weren't going to tell her anything. She was as mule-headed as any donkey you'd ever met in your life. And if she put it in her mind to do something, she was going to do it whether it was good or bad. We couldn't tell you how many times the fire department rolled up in front of our house because she was cooking and either forgot to take something off or it just got too smoky in there for her. And the fire department knew our address. And... They were so very kind to us because, you know, once, after, after they'd been out a few times, uh, they start saying, you know, we can uh, charge you for these visits here. And, uh, but they, they understood that, that uh, she was elderly. They didn't understand that we had told her, Mom, don't cook on the stove. We have a microwave. We have everything that you need that's microwavable. Stick it in the microwave and cook it that way. No, no, not going to do it. So then the doctor gives her a cane to walk on. And I'd see her coming down the hall, and she's holding on to stuff as she's going down the hall. I said, Mama, where's your cane? Um, I don't know, it's back there somewhere. Not supposed to be back there somewhere. I'd go get it give it to her, and she'd hang it on something and keep on. Got to be a walker. I'd find it parked in a corner somewhere. So it just got to be dangerous for her to be at home by herself. And uh, so we had to to, uh, put her in a nursing facility. uh, and, And when I got her in there, she wouldn't follow their rules. I told, I told the administrator, I said, you know, uh, you're going to have to put a, a buzzer or something on her, because if you don't watch her, she's going to be out the front door. Oh no, we we've got somebody sitting there. I said, okay, she's a fall risk. You need to put uh, something on her chair to let let you know if she gets up, because she's going to get up. Well, now we can't do that. I said. Okay, when she falls and hurts herself and you get sued, don't tell me you can't do it. So they put, they put a little thing in her chair, so halftime didn't turn it on, but she didn't know it, so she stayed in a chair a lot. But my mother was just very, very hard-headed and strong-willed. And pastor was just, he just couldn't forgive himself for not keeping her at home. Well, he wouldn't have been able to forgive himself if he'd have found her at the, at the foot of one of our staircases because I found her in her bedroom floor with her head busted open one time, and I said, I can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. Sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do, but it's best for, for the one that you're doing it for, you know? You just can't do it. So anyway, he's finally, I think, gotten over that, but he's still very gentle and very kind. So uh, he, he still fits in with, uh, A, the first one that, uh, that is, is humble, and in the second one that grieves, but he will not allow the spirit of grief to get on him. Amen? Then he said, blessed, they're happy, blithesome, joyous, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Now, how many of us are blessed that way? Sometimes we're going through hell, but we don't want everybody else to know it. <coughs> That's what he's talking about. It's... it's uh, it's, it's um, I, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because I'm being attacked. Come on, I don't want you to, to take your eyes off of the good things of God to see the bad things that's happening to me. And uh, so they said that, that they're blessed. Sometimes, I don't know what this is, but every time I get up here, my throat gets dry or whatever and it wants to be stupid. Anyway... It says, no matter what the outward conditions are, the meek, the mild, the patient, and long suffering, we have none of that around here anymore, uh, they shall inherit the earth. The ones that keep on going, and keep on going, and keep on going. And it just seems like the devil's just beating their brains out, but they're keeping on going, keeping on going. Uh, it says, they shall inherit the earth not the ones that are always fighting and scrapping and kicking and hollering and screaming. Blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, righteousness is being upright before God in right standing with God. And it says, they shall be completely satisfied. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled is what the word says. And God said, Jesus said, you're blessed because you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You can't get enough of it. You cannot be overdosed on righteousness on God's Word. You cannot get too much of it. Um, It says, blessed, happy, to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life and joy and satisfaction of God's favor and salvation, regardless of the outward conditions, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Sometimes you don't want to be merciful. You say, I've tried it, don't work. I don't want no more of it. The Bible says, if a man asks you to walk one mile, walk two. And you say, well, what happens if, if you walk two and they want you to walk more? Well, you keep walking until God tells you to Stop because you're walking with them and them knowing that you don't want to walk with them but you're doing it anyway, can turn them around. People see your blessings by your actions, by what you look like, by facial expressions, what you say, how you say it. And uh, they they can see God through you. There are a lot of folks, and I've been uh, reading different things, and there's a lot of folks that uh, are sour on religion. They, they, They say they're spiritual, but they're not religious. Well, Jesus was sour on the religious people too. But we are not religious. We're saved by grace. Had it not been for a man to come and give his life, we'd be just like the rest of the world. We'd be doomed. Um, It says, if you're merciful, you'll receive mercy. Sometimes you don't think you're getting any mercy at all. You think that you're getting your head bashed in, but you'll find out as you go along that somebody else, maybe not the one that was offending you, somebody else was showing a lot of mercy for you because they were holding your back. They were, they were fighting behind your back and saying, you leave her alone. You leave him alone. You're doing the best he can. Quit judging him. We're in a world full of judgy people, and the first thing they do when you, when you try to talk to somebody and ask them about something, don't judge me. Well, if you didn't think that you were um, in need of judgment, why would you say that? If somebody loves you enough to ask you something that would improve your life, don't tell them not to judge you. They're not judging you, they're loving you. Blessed and happy, inevitably fortunate, and spiritually prosperous, possessing the happiness produced by the experiences of God's favor, and especially conditioned by the revelation of his grace, regardless of their outward condition. Now, so many times he said regardless of their outward condition. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter. If they are uh, uh, behaving the way that, that Jesus said we needed to behave, he said they're blessed. Um, He says, uh, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Pure in heart. They don't mean to say anything or do anything that would offend you. We live in a a world full of people looking for offense. You don't even have to speak to anybody and you offend them. They look to be offended. Offense doesn't come from God. Offense comes from the enemy because when one gets offended at another, they can't walk together. They can't agree on anything if you're offended. If somebody says something to you that you, th- you don't think, you know, mm, I- I'm not sure I know how that came out, stop and ask them. Did you mean this? Is is this what you meant? Because a lot of times they don't. I do not like to um, uh, communicate a lot with um, emails and text messages because you cannot see the face, you cannot hear the voice, you cannot you cannot tell whether uh, the person is. Uh, truly being kind or just being snotty, you know? You can read it any way that you want to. And so much offense comes from emails and, and uh, text messages because one does not read it the way the other sent it. So a lot of times if I have to discuss something with somebody, I'll call them because I don't want them to misinterpret what I say and how I say it. I do not want to offend anyone. My life is an offense to a lot of people, but it's not because I want to offend them, but I'm just not going to die. Just going to have to live with it, right? But we have to be careful how we communicate with one another. We have to understand that um, a lot of times, let me let me say it this way: a lot of times you don't need to be sticking your nose where it don't belong. If someone asks for help, then you can ask a little bit, but don't be don't be trying to figure out what's going on with them when they don't want you to know. None of your business. If I can take care of my own business, I got enough taken care of to to be busy for a while. I, I have to be about my father's business is what Jesus said. And if we were about our father's business and we thought something needed to be addressed, we would address it to him. And we would say, I don't understand and I'm sure that you know all. But this is is my feelings, and I want to express my feelings to you. And if I'm at all in any way able to help, then open that door for me. But I'm not going to go barging through like a big bull in a china shop. Because it's none of my business unless somebody else makes it my business. Now, my business is how you approach God and live for God because I want to teach you to do better. But I'm not going to go up, uh, go up to, to Cody and say, Cody, I saw where you were the other day. And what do you call yourself being where you were the other day? It would give his mother permission to come out and claw my eyeballs out. Because he's not my son. He's God's son. He's her son. And it's not my business what he does. But if it bothers me, then I go to God about it. And I say, God, if he's, if he's where he's not supposed to be and he's innocent, drag him out of there and don't let him go back. But it's not my business to go up and put my nose in his affairs. Too many times churches uh, have people that, and, and we don't find it in this church. I don't hear any gossip going around in this church because I think we've got mature enough people that will say, uh, no, I'm not listening to that. Go. I got, I got too much to do to listen to that. Just take it someplace else. Um, and they said, if the, if, the, if the person is pure in heart, now a, a pure-hearted person doesn't always get things right. They mean right. They want to do right. But sometimes they just get it backwards. So you have to understand the heart of the person. And you have to say, Lord, I didn't understand what was going on with that, but please open my eyes to it because I know they're a wonderful person. And I know that there is no, no uh, meanness or mean intent in them so help help me to understand what's going on because when they got pure of heart then they shall see God you know you got you got a young person and I'm not speaking of, of age I'm I'm saying a young person in Christ a newbie and he's just learning how to be a Christian he's just learning how to walk with God they're going to make mistakes it's not your business to be pointing your finger at them. Amen. You pray for them. Amen. You love them. And you hope that they ask you sometime about something that you can give them a little advice on, godly advice, not human advice. Amen. So we, when, 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 um, when I got saved, the church put you under a microscope. Lord help you if you made one wiggle that wasn't supposed to be done. Because they'd be dragging yourself right back down to the altar and say, You never got saved in the first place. Do it again. I can't tell you how many times I got saved. It was awful. Seemed like one of the sisters was standing on every street corner where I made a mistake. In the church I grew up in, they were legalistic and um, truthfully, I don't know where they got. They had, they had the Ten Commandments and 19 teachings that you had to learn. The 19 teachings were man-made and uh, they basically addressed the young folk. So one of the teachings was girls could not wear men's apparel, in other words, I couldn't wear slacks or anything to that, um, that fashion. And I was not on board with that one. And so we would go, my sisters and I would go downtown on Saturday and we would just go window shopping. Now, window shopping was when you weren't allowed to go in the store because you couldn't buy anything and you just looked at the stuff and you dreamed of one day being able to go in the store and purchasing it. And uh, so my sisters and I would go window shopping. Mom would take us to the corner of, I think it's 3rd and Madison Street and let us out. And we just walk up and down the streets and look in all the stores. That's when all the the, uh, department stores and everything were downtown. But I promise you, every Saturday morning, It didn't matter if I went early or if I went late. This one elderly sister was standing on the street corner, and she knew I was going to be in slacks. I wasn't hiding anything big as I was. You couldn't hide it. But she preached a sermon every single Saturday. Down one street, across, up the street, across, down the street. She never shut up. Just kept on and kept on and kept on. And then on Sunday, when I'd go to church on Sunday, she told everybody I need to go to the altar because I was a sinner. I never will forget that lady. And I said, Lord, when I get to be that old, give me wisdom that she doesn't have and keep my mouth shut. Not judging. She judged everything. But she was one of the elders in the church, so she was right. But she drove away more people than people ever came. Keep your judgment to yourself. Let God judge them. I got a lot of mercy from God on that one. Nine says, um, blessed are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. It says to live as peaceably with one one another as possible. That means if somebody says something that you're not quite sure they meant what they said, how they said it, then leave it be. Don't try to pick something. The Bible says don't pick a splinter out of the eye of somebody when you got a log hanging out of yours. If you're the one that's picking, then you got the log. And isn't it wonderful how you don't even know it's there? You've gotten used to it being there. You know, when Brother Richard was here, I told him um, for about I guess three years, I had a floater in my left eye. Now, a floater is something that just kind of floats around in your eyesight, and um, they told me that it was part of my uh, back of my eye that had torn loose, and it was just floating around, and I said, well, can you take it out? And they said, no, you can't take it out. So, okay, so I had to get used to it, and it was like you had a gnat flying around over here, and you doing this bit all the time, and it was nothing there. It was just in your eye. So when Richard came, God healed me of that floater. Amen. I don't have it anymore. It's gone. It's gone. I almost miss it because I'm always going, you know, when you, when the floater starts floating, you, you look over at it to make sure it's a floater and not a fly. <laughs> So, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of, but that's, that's the way being peaceful with man is. It's like that floater over there, you don't pay attention to it. You just know that it's there. It's all right. It's not hurting anything. A lot of times we need to leave things alone that aren't hurting anything. Amen. God didn't set us up to be judge and jury over anybody. He didn't set us up. Now, we are to judge fruit, right? We're supposed to be fruit inspectors, but that doesn't mean that we take, uh, when we feel like the fruit is inferior, that we go blab it to everything and everybody. You pray for the tree. You pray for the tree, that it would bear better fruit, and you water it, and you uh, fertilize it, and you take better care of it. You don't go out trying to kill the tree. Blessed are the ones that don't shop down the trees. Uh, 10 says, blessed and happy in the state in which the born-again child of God enjoys and finds salvation in God's favor and salvation regardless of his outward condition. Doesn't matter what's going on. You know that you are loved by God. No matter what's going on, you know that he's got the answer and he's going to get it to you. We have to learn to trust him. In this society, we are taught to uh, take care of it ourselves. We are taught to try to figure out how to get it done. Whatever it is has to be done. Then you have to figure it out how to do it. Sometimes you can't figure it out. You just back up and say, okay, God. I told somebody one time, they said, that they had this thing that they kept praying for and they would feel God releasing them of it. And then all of a sudden they'd go pick it up again. And I said, you know what? Why don't you write down that thing? I don't want to see it. It's none of my business. Write it down, put it in a bag, seal the bag, lay it on the altar, walk off and leave it. Don't come back and get it. Don't try to, to retrieve it because it's, it, it's not yours anymore. You gave it away. So when you have a problem and you can't, you can't get through this problem, you have to learn to give it to God and let him take care of it. I am well aware that two of my children are not walking with God the way I want them to. I'm well aware of it, but I'm not distressed by it because God gave me a promise that my children and my children's children would be in the house of God. And so that's his business. That's not my business. I believe him that he tells the truth. But if I kept on coming back and or I kept on going to my son and said, you know, you really need to be in church. You know I brought you up better than this. You know, you know, you know, you know and all I'm doing is pushing him farther and farther and farther away. I love him. He knows what I believe. He knows that I don't agree with everything that he does, but I am not picking at him. I am praying for him. And let God do the rest because I don't want to do something that would force or or cause him to go to hell. Sometimes our wanting to help gets in the way. Sometimes our wanting to, to continue to remind. When they see me, I am a reminder. I don't have to say anything because I'm still where I've always been. I'm still doing what I've always done. I still believe the same thing that I've always believed, and they know it. So I don't have to say anything. But I believe that God in his mercy and his goodness and his kindness has a way of getting them back to me. And so I don't lose sleep. I don't lose weight. I don't worry because it's not mine anymore. It's his. And it's the same with my daughter. Um, blessed and happy and spiritually prosperous in a state in which the born-again child of God enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of his outward condition, are those who, perse- who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for being and doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are in an age where people like to um, tear down other people. We are in an age where um, we are hearing of ministers doing bad. And so they want to put all the ministers, the good ones and the bad ones, all together and say they're all bad. See, that's why all that's all about, it ain't nothing true about it. Well, um, no, that's not true. Because that would be like putting all the bus drivers that love the buses and love their love the people that ride the bus and and they do the best they can on the buses, in with the ones that get drunk and ride all over the road and throw people off the bus and there's bad apples in everything. (coughs) So to to uh, clump us all together is wrong. And he says that um, even he was persecuted. He told his disciples, he said, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted for the stand that you make for God. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be not liked. Thank God they don't stone us anymore. We'd be having some stones bouncing off of us. But he said, they persecuted me. They're not going to kill you, but they killed him. So who cares if they talk about me? I always said if they talk about me, they're letting some other poor person alone, letting them rest a while. I really don't care, I know who I am, I know what I am and I am not apologizing to anyone or anything for who and what I am. So when they talk about me, whether it's true or whether it's not, then they're leaving somebody else who's weaker than I am, who cares about what people think and what people say and how they act. They're leaving them alone while they're trying to get me. But you know what? God has put a hedge of protection all around me. I have got this hedge all around me that that kind of stuff just does not penetrate. It does not affect. I don't care. As long as I'm doing what God tells me to do, I'm saying what he tells me to say, I'm going where he tells me to go, I'm walking in the light that he gives me, then I don't care what anybody else says about me. If it's good, praise God. And if it's bad, I don't care. Take your best shot. I am 71 years old and had some mighty big shots made at me, and I'm still standing. And I intend to stand even more. And I got a few folks here I think that would stand with me. Ain't that true? hmm that's true. I got people to stand with me. So um, 11 says, blessed and to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life joy, satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, are you when people revile and persecute you. So when they start talking about you, you're supposed to be jumping up and down, and say, Oh, they're talking about me. Oh. No, you just keep right on going, don't care. You keep on going because their joy, your joy does not belong in their hands. Your happiness does not belong in their hands. Your peace does not belong in their hands. The Holy Ghost will comfort you when nobody else will. The knowing that he loves me, he loves me. I'm special, I'm the apple of his eye. I am special in his eye and so are you. So don't let anybody get under your skin with their tongue. Whack it off and give it back to them. Don't let anybody stop you being happy. Now, happy is an emotion, right? Joy is a spirit. But if you got joy going on, you can still be happy. Even though all hell is breaking loose around you, you can still be happy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Jerry Savelle wrote a book that's, that said, if he can't get your joy, he can't get your goods. The devil wants to get your joy. Right. Then he can take everything you've got. I don't have anything that he wants because it's all God's. I have not put my trust, I have not, put my, uh, I've not hung my joy hat on any one thing except him. I'm joyous when I come to church. I'm joyous when I hear the singers sing. I'm joyous when I see people uh, uh, advancing in the kingdom of God. I'm joyous when I see them blessed. I'm joyous when I see them come in the door. That's the goods that I have, and the devil hasn't got any right to any of it. Amen? So these are the attitudes that... He wanted his disciples to have. He wanted us to have. We're to be joyous. We're supposed to be at peace. Oh, but pastor, you don't know. I can't sleep. I I just keep thinking of things. Tell the devil to get out. Evict him. And then you'll lay down and go go to sleep just as peaceful as you can be. Reasons we should not conform to today's society norms. Aside from being instructed not to be conformed of the world, but plainly telling us that we're not of the world. We have we have forgotten because we we are so busy living in the world that we've forgotten we are not we're strangers in this land. We're foreigners, we're aliens. We're not supposed to fit in this land. We're not supposed to look like everybody else and sound like everybody else and be like everybody else. We're supposed to be different. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to the world this age, fashioned after and adapting to the eternal external, superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewing of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what's good and acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the things which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Be who you are in him. You don't have to be like everybody else. Amen. The hardest thing in the world is to, is to understand that I may not dress like you, but I'm okay. Amen. I may not look like you, but it's okay. Because truthfully, I probably don't want to dress and look like you. <laughs> I understand the young folks wanting to stay in fashion and and to and to you know fit in, but they're not fitting into God's plan a lot of times because they're being forced by peer pressure to conform to what is around them. Used to be when we went to church, we were told you're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to talk like everybody else. You're not supposed to be in all the places that everybody else is. You're not supposed to do everything that everybody else is doing. You are a new creation, a new creature, as Jesse uh, DePlantis used to say, new creature with a new feature. You don't look like you did before he came into your life. And renewing your mind means to learn to think like he thinks, learning to understand like he understands, and learning to be brave enough to be different. Now, the truth of the matter is there's a lot of different folks that are insisting that we all be different, that we all be like them. they're different, but they want us to be like them. So we all be alike. Doesn't make sense to me. Be you. Be you. God created you to be different. So he says, don't, don't conform to everything that's going on. We see it a lot in the churches. We see a lot of, of people conforming to things that they never conformed to before. But now it's okay. Romans uh, 12 says, uh, well, I wrote it three times. I must have really liked it. Be, be who you are in Christ. When you came to him, you gave him your dirty clothes and he gave you a whole new wardrobe. But he didn't tell you to go back to the pigsty and get them them dirty again. He said, change your mind about what you think and how you think. He says, depend on me to show you. You can't get direction in the world. You cannot get direction in the world. They'll lead you in a path of unrighteousness for their sake. He calls us to righteousness for his sake. It doesn't matter who reads this word. If they read the Bible, it's all the same thing. It's when they add or subtract. And I believe it's in Revelation The very last verse, let me look, make sure. Chapter 22, verse 18, it says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. He said, don't you add and don't you take away from this book. And if you find anybody adding or taking away from this book, turn the channel. Don't listen to them because they're wrong and they're not teaching properly. Do I hate them? No, but I want them to change. Because the word says that they've got a terrible, terrible, terrible outcome if they don't stop. Let's pray for those that are deceived. These are the days that the Lord is calling His people to be more in prayer for the lost, to be more in tune with people who need him to be more merciful for people who are confused because there's a lot of people out there are totally confused. They listen to this, they listen to that, they listen to the other. One's saying one thing, one's saying something else, one's saying something else and they don't know what to believe. My husband is going to preach a sermon about this book. And the sermon is, the ink is dry. There's no way of changing anything in this book. It's been the same thing since the beginning. Amen? Pray for the lost. Remember, the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming. I know that there are, um, somebody said, who was it? Uh, they're, they're watching the blood moons and uh, they're prophesying the coming of the Lord. I'm sorry, they've prophesied it before and I'm still here. <laughs> and the dry ink over there says, no one knows. I love all those prophets that are prophesying all of this. Maybe they're getting people scared into heaven. You can't keep them if you scare them. When you love them in, they will stay. Amen? Amen. Amen. But it doesn't matter when he comes. We still got to be ready. We got to be ready. I know what one of those things, one of those things, how I got it three times. It says, let your light shine. Don't be embarrassed of who you are in Christ. Don't be embarrassed to invite somebody to church. Don't be embarrassed to ask, can I pray for you? Pastor and I go into uh, restaurants all the time. And it, it just, here lately, it's, it's, it's amazing. We went to breakfast Monday, I think Monday. We went to breakfast and everything's going fine. And, um... Uh, I, I'm looking into the kitchen where the, where the waitress uh, is and I'm looking and I said, honey, I think she's crying. And we looked and she was, she was crying. And uh, I said, hey, it's none of our business but I sure feel bad that she's crying. Being a waitress is not an easy job. Anybody tries it knows it. Uh, When I was growing up, I did not want to be a waitress. My temper was too uh, short. Somebody had been wearing their food out out of the uh, restaurant with me. So I appreciate the waitresses. And so um, they sent our food out by another waitress. And we said, uh, and we knew her name, and we said, Is she okay? And she said, oh yeah, she just went to the back and I said, okay, and the lady left and I said she was crying. He said, I know, I I saw her crying. So she finally comes out and we said, are you okay? We saw you were crying, are you okay? And she says, oh, I'll be all right, I'm just emotional. And William said, can we pray for you? And she said, would you please? Now we didn't know why she was crying. I mean, it could, have been, it could have been hormones for all we knew. But we knew that it was our opportunity to show God Amen. and to show his love. And so William reached out and touched her, and I touched her, and William prayed over her. Right there in front of the, I mean, God and everybody. And they were packed out that morning. And I saw the people at the, at the next table over going, But we we told her, we said, you know, God knows where you are and what you're going through. And he sent us to tell you he loves you. We were here. We were sent here just for you. And she was just so uh, thankful that somebody would take the time to pray for her and to love on her a little bit. It's a sad thing that Sundays are the most hated days for waitresses because the Christians are the meanest customers they have. They're rude, they're arrogant, they're judgmental, and they don't tip. I've had several waitresses tell me that and they didn't know the other one had said it. And so we we would always say, we're going to be the best customers you've had today. We're going to treat you like royalty. We're going to tip you really good. We're going to be the best customer you ever had because God sent us here just for you. Try that sometimes. That just picks up people's spirit. It just picks them up. It makes them understand that they're not out there by themselves. And this lady, we had invited to church before, and and we told her, well, we're still at the church. We'd love to have you come. And she said, I'm going to get off on a Sunday, and I'm coming. I've got to come to your church. That's how you get them to come in, people that you don't know. You be kind to them and invite them. Don't you dare leave one of our cards on a table that you stiff the, the lady or you give her a hard time. Even if I have to send my food back, I tell the waitress, you didn't cook it. You okay, honey. Just take take it back and tell them to put it back on the fire again. It's not done. You don't have to be ugly. Show the love of God and he'll show you the love that he has for you. Amen.